Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I remember the biggest thing Frank Felder told me, like when I lost all that weight, he was like, dude, I can see the ball. Like, you're not hiding the ball at all anymore. Like, that gut used to like hide the ball, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> For you today, and uh, one of his many titles is world champion. I can't imagine that there are many better titles than that. Brett, why don't you go ahead and introduce today's guest? Dude, you never drop a world champion on me. <laughs> I, I got part. I got part of that same championship, but <laughs> we we got a good one. I'm super excited about this one. I'll give a little prep. Um, he's a hot topic right now, all over over the internet and social media because of uh, a little bit of working out, a little bit of dieting, and dude, he's jacked. He's jacked right now. So. <laughs> Six-time All-Star, like you said, uh, World Series champion 2009, AL Cy Young 2017, wins leader 2009, 2010. He's the one and only CC Sabathia. Welcome, buddy. Thanks, fellas. And nobody's ever described me as Jack, so that's Dude. the first time ever. So. <laughs> Dude, it's all over the place right now. You're just- you know what? I told my my trainer just like flipped that pick and then he put it up on his Instagram. I told him if I would have known that that was going to be the pick, Everybody saw I would have put a hat on or something. Like, I'm looking like Kimbo Slice right now. Somebody said, I heard Kimbo Slice. I was like, that's a good one, man. But, dude, you're jacked right now. You've been, I mean, you've been grinding hard. Like, we follow each other on Instagram, and and I see what you're doing every day. But, dude, it's crazy. It's crazy the transformation you've had, like, in a short amount of time. Yeah, you know what's crazy is that, like, I've always considered myself an offensive lineman that just happened to pitch. You know what I'm saying? So I needed the, the, the big body. I needed the gut. Like, when I lost all that weight that one year, my velocity dropped. And I was, like, I was terrible. I, could, I couldn't find my delivery. I couldn't find my arm ankle. None of that stuff. So um, I decided to put the weight back on. And, and I knew once I got done playing, um, I wanted to, like, trim up and get lean and like get some muscle on my body. So uh, that's what I've been doing this quarantine is I work out literally every day. I've never worked out this much ever in my life. So it's been fun. Well, the funny thing is, as you say about like having a little bit of like, like weight on you, I used to tell my wife that all the time. It was kind of like the safety net. I said, listen, if you want me to go out there and pitch good and make some money, I'm going to have a little fluff around the midsection. Like <laughs> it was like, it was a way to like, Hey, if you want me ripped, it's not going to work. I'm not going to pitch. <laughs> you know who did that? Phil Hughes. Um, uh, no, it wasn't Phil Hughes. Yeah, no, yeah, dropped a bunch Hughes. of weight in 2009. Yeah. Came in there and his velocity was down. Same thing. He's like, I'm putting the weight back on, and he started crushing. And he gained yeah. weight in the velocity. Came. I always said you needed a little bit of that because if you historically, like when we came up, looked at all the, the all the pitchers, they were a little soft. They were. So when, you, when you're throwing 200, 220 innings every year, I felt like you needed a little bit of like extra like packaging for the long yeah. haul. No doubt. And like, like, I didn't really realize that until I got like, I would always try to get small and in the offseason, try to figure out my weight and all that stuff. But I had a strength coach, Tim Maxey with the Indians. He was like, dude, you're offensive lineman, train like an offensive lineman, be big, use, use your body as a weapon. And like, I mean, it worked out. You know what I'm saying? I remember the biggest thing Prince Fielder told me, like when I lost all that weight, he was like, dude, I can see the ball. Like, you're not hiding the ball at all anymore. Like, that gut used to, like, hide the ball. You know what I'm saying? It, you don't know, have to worry about your backside arm motion. Like, it's all covered. My ass and my boilers out there. No one can see that. <laughs> Just same thing. When I, got, when I got traded in the Griffey trade to Seattle, like, I went through a whole thing of, like, oh, man, I got to prove myself. Like, it's a big trade. It's me and Mike Cameron going over there. I went on a crazy – like, metrics was, like, the big, like, supplement thing. Met mm-hmm. with them. I grinded. I put on like muscle weight and like I lean and I came to spring training. Same thing. I was going like 85 miles an hour. 
and it was like, what happened? Like, and I'm saying, like, I'm like, I'm big. Like, I'm as big and strong as I've ever been. And I started like crushing and doing like no weightlifting, and velocity slowly velocity started riding right back. back. Yeah. Oh, dude. But dude, you're, it's impressive, man. Like any weight that you've lost, I think I've found in this quarantine. It's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's one of those things we've got the bikes and we're trying to do bike rides, but it, dude, it's hard sometimes, especially, do you have a chef? Do you have somebody yeah, cooking for you? I have a chef here and then my wife can cook pretty good. But my trainer, like he sends me a menu every Sunday and it breaks down like exactly how to cook it. Like I, I can't cook it all, but the way he sends it, I can make my meals. You know what I'm saying? So it may, he makes it super easy, and then he sends me my workouts, and I, I, I obviously, like, work out, do, do his stuff, but then I go, like, a little further and, you know. Yeah, but it's showing up, and it's good. And going, you'll see, you'll see when you start showing up to, like, Yankees fantasy camp, and you're, like, you're like one of the coaches, and you see a guy come back, you're like, damn. Like, he just <laughs> lives. It usually goes the opposite way. Because, guys, you, cause, you know, I don't think a lot of people know, like, like when you get to the big leagues, everyone puts on a little weight because, like, uh -huh. the food is there. Like, and people don't realize that, especially like in New York, I was like shocked, like the amount of food, and, but good food. They always cook good, but you go on the road, there's like candy. You go to Angel Stadium. That was like, it was like uh, walking. Bubba, in like used a, to, Bubba used to keep it, keep it stocked in there, bro. It was like walking into like a Circle K. Like there was every candy, nachos, any, I, I would be up there like in the third inning crushing a nacho every single game. And then you every finish game. it. You finish the game, there's food after the game, like a spread, and then you go to the plane, there's quesadillas and chicken yep. wings. When you get on, there's another meal, there's dessert, there's cook. You don't realize how much food, like, and you're working out during the season, so you're able to, like, maintain that. But when you're done and you're home, you can't keep that up. Nah, and, and, but that's the thing. Like, everybody was, like, so disciplined while they played. Like, I watched guys, like, not eat, and I would eat all that shit you just named. <laughs> and so now I'm on the reverse, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm trying to be disciplined, locked into my to my diet, and you know I got a chance to do eat all that shit while I was playing, and it worked out. So you know I, 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 I feel I, like I won. The quarantine probably helps though, because it like limits like you really getting out and going to dinner and like, Hey, let's go to the city and crush, go to the steakhouse and really get after it. So it probably helps a little bit. We're on the opposite end. We got like young kids, and they're super picky. So we're like let's throw some chicken fingers in the air fryer. And, like, <laughs> like, and it's like, well, I'm doing that. I might as well grab that too. Cause that's easy. So it's, it's been, it's been a struggle for me. The struggle is real. So, so folks, our, uh, our guest today is world champion, New York Yankees pitcher, CC Sabathia. You've seen him a lot on social media recently. You can actually follow him on Instagram at CC underscore Sabathia. Uh, CC, I wanted to ask you, a lot of people have tried keto, um, give me three foods that, that you've been eating during your, your awesome run on keto to lose weight that are just awesome that make you feel like, man, I'm not even dieting. This is so good. Yeah, you know what? I, so I, I started keto um, right after New Year's. I did keto for all of January, all of February. I ended up losing 22 pounds on keto. Um, but like with my heart condition, I just felt like it was a lot, a lot of fatty foods. It was kind of too much for me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm trying to get my blood pressure down. I'm trying to get off all those meds. And it was a lot of bacon, a lot of steak, and a lot of that stuff. I mean, obviously, it worked. And, you know, if you can do it, I mean, I would suggest, you know, being able to do it. But it was just, you know, a lot of cheese, a lot of dairy, a lot of that stuff. So I ended up switching over um, right at when the quarantine happened, like mid-March, to no soy, no gluten. So now, I mean, it's, you know, it's a lot of quinoa, a lot of wild rice, um, spinach, broccoli. Um, I ate a lot of salmon. Um, chicken. I have steak every now and again. Um, 
But, I mean, I, I have no bad things to say about keto other than, you know, me having to stint my heart and wanting to get healthy um, and not have high blood pressure. But I think, I think it, you know, it, it obviously kick-started my diet and got me to where I'm at. Now I'm down 31 pounds. So, so um, when you reintegrate, what, what, what parts of keto are you going to try to keep, keep as part of your normal lifestyle when you reintegrate off of full-time keto? Um, I think the, the, you know, the, the best thing that I, that I really liked was being able to have like eggs and spinach omelet with a little bit of bacon. Um, you know, my wife would make, uh, these cheese cup tacos for me, um, <laughs> that I think I'll, I'll definitely keep on there for cheat days. So, um, you know, keto, keto, keto was, it's like a big man's diet. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you want to lose weight and you're a big guy, like definitely do keto. Cause there's some foods on there that you love to eat that you can still eat. I did keto for like about three months, about two years ago. And it was to, it, like you said, you almost feel like you're eating bad. Right. You're eating like, you're like, here's some bacon, here's some cheese here. Like you're, and you're crushing it. Like we used to do these little jalapeno cheese, bacon, cheddar cheese, cream cheese. And I felt like this, there's no way this is good for you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but it was like, and my, one of my best friends, a bodybuilder, and I would text him all the time. He's jacked and he eats like nothing because he's just so lean. I said, I'm so tired of eating nuts and bacon and cheese right. over. If I eat another nut for a snack, I'm going to like go crazy. So oh, the funny thing is when like I integrated off of it, kind of went back, I felt like crap. Yeah. Like you're putting such good stuff and good fats that when you have like a little bit of pasta, you feel like you're going to explode. Man, I, I uh, so, so I, I did this no soy, no gluten. And on Easter, um, I decided to have a cheat. We, we did brunch. I decided to have a cheat. And I had three pieces of French toast. And I literally slept the rest of the day. Like, I was out. Like, much, like sugar, everything. Like, I couldn't get out of bed. Like, it was like, it was crazy. So, But then I, it, starts, I, it, starts, it starts messing with your mind because you're like, does food make that much of a difference? Like, how yeah. I feel every day? And I always thought, because my wife's vegan. So anytime she eats anything, you know, not vegan, she's like, oh, I feel like crap, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, right. Okay, whatever. Like, it don't make that much, big, that big of a deal. But having that French toast a couple of weeks ago, like, I, I, <laughs> I, you out. I definitely felt it. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, the only thing I didn't like about keto was not being able to have fruit. Because I like to crush fruit. Yeah, because yeah, of the whole um, sugar so like thing. Like bananas, apples, and all of that stuff. Pineapples is, watermelon is kind of like off the list. So um, it's just blueberries and strawberries. But. I mean, keto is an easy diet to do too. Like when you, if you travel a lot, once you, once you get that past that first week, you're just like, this isn't so bad. Yeah. yeah. Cause you can have like corn tortillas, I think on keto. Cause there's no mm -hmm. flour They're Like you can make it. So you're like, I don't feel like I'm really having to cut back. You almost feel like gluttonous. Like you, I said, that's what I'm saying. Like, uh, like for a big guy, like, it was a great diet for me to start on because I didn't feel like I was like dieting. Like I was yeah, like, but when you're pressing, like crushing bacon every morning, you're like, dude, my heart, there's no way this is good for my heart right now. I've eaten like 17 pounds of bacon in the last week. There's nothing, hey, what, there is nothing better than bacon though. Is there, hey, see, so I wanted to ask you, I mentioned to you, um, you and Brett both had the opportunity to play for the Yankees in, in part of what may or may not have been a dynasty then but for, for with a group of players that were part of a Yankee dynasty uh, my brother as I mentioned was drafted in 92 by the Yankees roomed with Derek Jeter grew up with Mariano Rivera Jorge Posada as I've gotten the chance to meet some of those guys that you and Brett got to play with um, is there one or two of them that you just go wow this guy figured life out and he's a role model for me and Brett I'd love to hear from you too because that Yankee locker room 
was special. I mean, even even when they came to Dodger Stadium a few years ago, my brother and I went down, and and the two guys that stood out to me were Mariano Rivera and Joe Girardi. Just they they were just set apart guys that you go, wow, this guy remembered my name. This guy was great, and, and Derek was an awesome guy too. My brother spent a lot of time with him. But but are there talk to me about a couple of guys in that locker room that's been so highly publicized over the last thirty years that just have really made an impact on each of your lives. Yeah, really for me, it was like the whole core four. Like they all like big brothers to me, you know what I'm saying? Um, from Mo and Andy teaching me to cutter, um, you know, from my relationship with our families with, you know, with Jeter and, you know, our families are really close, his sister and my wife and his wife and my wife and, um, you know, his parents and my parents, like, you know, we're all integrated. So um, when I first got here, you know, Laura Posada took Amber under her wing, like to show her New York and all that stuff. So. Those guys have been great to me from day one. And, um, you know, like I said, they, they all like big brothers to me. But the one, I mean, I'm close to all of them. But I think the one that impacted my career the most was Andy. Um, being around Andy Pettit every day, being a lefty pitching in New York, him having so, so much success <clears throat> in the playoffs, in the postseason. Um, he really just made like a huge impression on me when I got here in 09. And, you know, I've been, I've been kind of following him ever since. You know what I mean? Like, I got anything going on, any kind of tough time in my life, he's the first person I call. So um, he, he's been a huge, huge help for me on and off the field, battling alcoholism, all of that stuff. Uh, he was right there with me the whole way. I agree, Andy. Um, Andy, like, I tell you what, when I signed with, with the Yankees in 2009, I came to spring training, and I had over 10 years in the big leagues. But when you walk in that clubhouse, there's there's definitely an intimidation factor when you walk in, not only of the organization, but like you said, the caliber. But you got Derek Jeter. You got mm -hmm. Andy Pettit. At that time, A-Rod was there. Like, you got big-name guys. You were there. A.J. Burnett were there. I walked in like, dude, I do not belong in this clubhouse. It was it was super intimidating for me. But baseball is a big fraternity. So you get there, you spend a few days in there, and all of a sudden you're family. But like you said, Andy – Andy was like, even though we're close to the same age, he's a couple years older, like he's sitting in his locker hanging out. You want to go sit by like grandpa almost. It <laughs> yeah, felt yeah. like he was just going to spew knowledge on you. Yeah. And it was like, if he said something, like you listen, he would say, hey, Brett, let's go, let's go for a run. And even if I didn't want to, I'm like, all right, let's go. Let's yeah, go for a run. Because right. you just felt like you were going to get a little nugget from him, like for anything. And he's not what you expect. No, like, he's, he's not. country. He, like, I thought when I see him pitch, like, in those playoff games, I'm like, he's such probably, like, a mean guy. Like, he's hey, so and, nice. And, I, like, I always thought that he was, like, in control of everything. He was yeah. the most out-of-control person I've ever seen in my life. Like, he's coming down screaming and everything hurts. <laughs> he's got a cramp here and the umpire's not giving him strikes. Like, if you see him out on the mound, he's got his glove over his head. You, you know, think he's under head. control. You think he's got it locked in. But, like, oh. it's the funniest thing ever. But, like, when I get to spring training in 09, you know, I came from Milwaukee and I had won the Cy Young in 07. I get to I go to get traded to Milwaukee, had a great second half. So, like, I'm already in this mode where, like, I don't, I don't run poles. Like, my knee, I already, had a, I already had a knee surgery. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, eh, I'm not running. Like, that's not what I'm doing anymore. I'm, a, you know, I'll figure something else out. I'll go do the elliptical, whatever. First day, uh, we out there doing PFP. And I'll grab my shoes to go walk back in, and I see Andy and Mo running poles. And, like, they both stopped halfway and, like, looked at me walking back in. So I just dropped my shit, turned around, 
And I tell them, how are you not, how are you not gonna go run with them? How are you not? They like look at you and you're like, well, if Mo yeah. and Andy do it, like, well, oh, I'm going to Andy run. Andy got home. four rings at this point. Like, what, who am I to like walk off the field and these guys are doing extra running? So and I dropped my shit and turned around and started running poles. And they didn't just like jog poles. Oh, like no. when, we, when we used to run poles, Girardi used to get out there and run with us, and he was like faster than him and, and Jabba. Jabba, yeah. Girardi, like those guys, and Mo, they could run. I remember like we'd start off, and they'd say partner up, and I'm like, where's CC at? Because <laughs> <laughs> I wanted like, dude, I, I'm not fast. Like, I wanna, I'll do my poles, but I'm going to cruise them. Yes. Spring training was fun. That was a good spring training. I remember, I don't know if you remember, we went fishing one time. And you had AJ on your show. Uh, you also have a podcast we'll talk about a little bit. But I remember we're like, AJ, let's go fishing. He's like, yeah, let's go fishing. And then you're like, I'm in. The Joker bought a boat that day. He you bought a that? boat day, yeah. He had one boat, and there were like four of us going out. He's like, we can't all fit on my boat. So he was like brokering a deal like while we were doing PFP. And then a <laughs> boat delivered to his house for after practice. And we went and we fished. It was all, that's kind of when I started like really liking fishing. I was about to say that 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 spring training with AJ every day got me fishing. So now I fish all the time. I'm kind of like you where I go fishing all the time, anywhere I can. But it started that uh, that spring training in 09. It was like the first time I ever got a chance to really go out on the lake and like enjoy it. So uh, I, owe, I owe AJ all my fishing, you know, for now all my, my fishing endeavors, I guess. Like walking in that clubhouse, I remember AJ. AJ, I think, is, is, has that hard persona. Like, he looks like he's an animal, but, like, the nicest guy you could ever imagine. Yeah. I remember walking in. He had mean mugged me down in Florida. We had faced each other, and I saw him in the parking lot. I'm like, hey, AJ. And he just kind of, like, gave me a head nod and walked past me. <laughs> so when I walked in the clubhouse, I'm like, ah, oh, man, Burnett, that guy's, like, an asshole. So, <laughs> so I'm on the training table, and he's just, like, fish-eyeing me for, like, three days. So finally I'm like, hey, like, what's the deal? Like, why you keep, like, fish-eyeing me and, and, like, looking at me? He's like, I was just testing you out. I just want to see how you would react. And I'm like, <laughs> <clears throat> but like, you can't help but to be intimidated in that clubhouse. There's so many like good players and the history of the, the Yankees is crazy. I never wanted to play for the Yankees like no. until I did it. And, and it was like, it's one of those things you have the opportunity. I signed, I still, this is, this I think sums up the Yankees in, in a, a small thing for me. I signed, you guys had already reported the day you reported. I signed, they called me and said, can you get on a plane at nine o'clock in the morning? I said, yeah, I'm there. And I said, hey, is there any way like, you know, I was a, a non-40 man. Usually they ride coach, you know, the 40 man ride first class. And I said, hey, is there any way I'm coming from San Diego? Can I upgrade to first class? You know, I'll pay the difference or whatever. And Ben, the traveling secretary said, oh, no, no, we're flying you first class. We're the Yankees. <laughs> and it was like, dude, there's this organization. They don't mess around. You know, it's crazy. I never really wanted to be a Yankee either until I got I got to New York, and then I didn't want to play anywhere else. Like, I couldn't see myself playing anywhere else besides playing here, man. It, it's, it's a great organization to play for. Hey, everybody. I know we're still at home. I know we're still hanging out. I know we're still all being safe. But listen, you still can have some fun with our partner, BetOnline.ag. With no NBA, NHL, or MLB, don't worry. BetOnline still has hundreds of games, events, and sports to wager on. NASCAR, it's back. Madden and NBA 2K simulations. There's UFC. There's online casino with poker and blackjack. And coming up next Sunday, BetOnline has ex-Chicago Bulls, Horace Grant, 
Bill Cartwright and Craig Hodges joining to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they call After the Dance. There's still fun to be had, so go on betonline.ag and use the promo code MYPOD100 to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag and use the promo code MYPOD100. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. That's a great lead-in to one of the things that Brett pointed out to me that I'd forgotten because I'm a huge Dodger fan. Uh, Brett told me, he goes, hey, man, CeCe was basically a Dodger for 20 days. He just hadn't inked the deal. So so can you te- take us back to that? What happened? What changed? How did that go? Yeah, so uh, off-season off 08 after that Milwaukee season. Um, what, which, actually, which you were 11-2 11, 11 and two with a 1-6 in Milwaukee. <laughs> like, dude, that's getting after it. That was, you, was there any thought of staying in Milwaukee? There was there was a, a, a thought of staying in Milwaukee, but um, I don't think they would have been able to keep that whole team together. Like, what made us special was that group of guys. And if I would have signed a big deal there, nobody would have been able to stay. You know what I'm saying? Bronny would have been able to have been there. Prince would have left. Um, they wouldn't have been able to sign Ricky. Like, it wouldn't have been the same team coming back. So I don't want to get stuck in a place and, and not be have a chance to win. Um but that offseason, I'm thinking I'm going to the Dodgers. Like, you know, I'm a free agent. I'm a Cali guy. Um, they always have a bunch of money. It's a horse, historic place to play. So I'm looking at places in, in L.A. Like, I'm already, like, locked into, like, living in L.A. Um, and I go to the winter meetings and meet with Ned Coletti, and he's like, you know, we don't, we, don't have any, we don't have enough money to sign you because the Yankees had already offered me that deal. Um, so th- he was like, we don't really have enough to sign you. So it was kind of like, you know, I never even really met with him. I just saw Ned in a restaurant, um, in Vegas, never met, actually met with the McCourts or the Do- Dodger organization. Um, I met with the angels. I met with the Mets, Boston and New York, uh, that winter meeting. And then I flew home because I'm like, man, I still, I still don't have the deal that I want. You know what I'm saying? And right. I flew back and then Cashman came back flew to my house and uh, met with me and my wife there. And then, you know, I ended up signing that night, but it was because he was persistent. I didn't, it, it wasn't me like going out looking for the Yankee deal. Um, it's, it's hard though. When they're, when you got the Yankees right in front of you and they're offering you what you want and yeah. the Yankees. Yeah. But you I know? didn't, you know, I, I didn't understand that. At, you know, I just, no, I, yeah, yeah. Oh. You don't, you don't understand that when you're, when you're not there. Yeah, and, and, and you, all you do, all you hear about is the media and the clubhouse is bad and blah, 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 this. And, you know, you don't want to go through all of that, you know, especially coming from Cleveland where everything was easy. We had a lot of fun. We all grew up together. That was a great place. Then I go to Milwaukee, it's the same thing. Like they had their core guys, Ricky, Prince, uh, Bronny, they all came up together. J.J. Hardy, um, Corey, uh, Corey Hart. Like they had their guys. So I'm like, oh, this is great. Like I need to go to a place where, I can have fun and uh, but team, like home. you're looking for that team chemistry looking for that team chemistry and I didn't know that we had that here with the Yankees and we did right away from you know day one of spring training in 09 we all kind of just clicked and, and it worked out I mean I think the the the, the biggest thing um, about me coming here wasn't me it was it was AJ bringing his personality it was Swish bringing his personality and me too, with everything mixed, it kind of changed the, the clubhouse culture. But it wasn't just me. I think it was I think it was AJ and Swish too, for sure. Well, yeah, I think so. And that I, you guys had already been there. Not not like I was going to make any difference, but it was part of my thought process. I had a couple other deals like 
working. And I thought like, dude, they just got Sabathia. They just got Texera. They just got AJ. They got Swish. Like, dude, they're set up to go run and win a world championship. And I may never have a chance to be part of a team that does that. So like when you see that and, and all good guys, historically, the guys that aren't, aren't bad guys. And when I got to the clubhouse, yeah, Swisher, I mean, Swisher, I thought was the guy. Like he was always, <laughs> when you play against that guy, like Swish and I are still really good friends. When you play, yeah. you don't, you're like, that guy is like, an, I hate that guy. Yeah, yeah. But when you're in the same clubhouse in the same field, like you can't help but love that. Nah, when you're in the same clubhouse with him, you love that energy because he brings it every day. I almost liken him to like, Trot wasn't that like far out, Trot Nixon. But when we got him in 07 um, with the Indians, we were a young team. We didn't know how to win. But Trot brought that energy every day, going out and trying to kick somebody's butt you know, screaming, yelling around the clubhouse. And, you know, we ended up having a great year, winning the division, and almost we should have won the World Series that year, but it was because of him. So um, Swish is the same way. Yeah. Swish is going to bring that energy every day, and you better be ready to go when you get to the park because so you screaming and yelling. Yeah, so in 2009, so you, you sign, you have all these people, um, and everybody, I think, in spring training is like, we're going to win the World Series. That's what everybody's goal is when they get there. At what point – during that season, did you really think, was it when I got called up from Scranton or <laughs> <laughs> at what point did you go, dude, we got a good shot at doing this. Now, you know, when it was, remember, cause, uh, A-Rod started, uh, hurt. He hurt yeah. his head. So he didn't, he didn't start the season with us. I think he came back like May 3rd or something like that. He comes back. I'm pitching. We playing in Baltimore and first pitch that he sees, he hits a three run homer off, Gut off Guthrie. And when he hit that, I was like, we're going to win the World Series. Yeah, <laughs> like it just—it just felt like nothing's gonna stop us now. Like we got this guy back. He goes deep on the very first pitch. We won that game three to nothing, and I mean, I feel like the, we just took off from there. Yeah, that was good. I—I—I'm I, still a little upset at you. You're one of the reasons I got released. Um, you, AJ, <laughs> Andy. So, so because every time, every time CC pitched, AJ pitched, Pettit pitched. You guys were going like seven, eight innings, not if not a CG every single good. game, and it was like the only chance I knew I had to pitch is when Jabba pitched. I'm like, well, <laughs> Chamberlain's on the mound. You know he's going to throw 110 <laughs> pitches in five innings, so you know you're going to have to pitch. But I didn't get to pitch that much because you guys were always going, and they ended up calling me in and said, "Hey, we're going to bring up a young prospect." And I'm like, "That, you know, I'm okay. I want to go pitch." And I, you guys yeah. are going to win the World Series, and I'm glad I got to be a part of this. But I want to go pitch. And it was, it was fun. Like the three, three and a half months I was there, I, I loved it. And it was one of those, one of those pe things when people say, hey, where'd you love playing? I'm like, dude, New York, you can't, you can't, I don't think you can beat that. No, nah, we had a good time. And, but you know what's crazy is that like we had uh, Sergio Mitre and Chad Godin were our fourth <laughs> and fifth starter after Jabba went to the bullpen. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, I mean, that team was just so good. We scored so many runs. Those dudes pitched good too, but I'm just saying like, Nobody would ever thought that we had Chad Godin and Sergio Mitre as our four and five starter. You know what no, I mean? And then once you got to the playoffs, you only, you could go down, you could trim down to three pitchers. And yeah. you guys, there was no way. Like in my mind, I had I had signed with Oakland. The funny thing is, I had signed with Oakland and went to AAA, and they said, "Hey, you're gonna you're gonna be down here till September, uh, and then we're gonna expand to like six starters." And I literally threw an inning and then three innings and got called up. And the first team <laughs> I faced was the Yankees in Oakland. And I was like, look. I hadn't thrown, but like more than like 20 pitches in a month. And they're like, Hey, go, go face the best team in baseball. See how you do. <laughs> and I was just like, Oh man, they're going to kill me. Did they have I you, start, going you out starting? 
yeah, I was starting. And I ended up going throwing five scoreless and won the game. And it was like one of those things I was like, dude, how am I going to survive this? Like seeing them, seeing them every day and knowing the amount of runs that they put up, like you just knew they were like that kind of that, you know, it was the year of their, the destiny that they were going to pull it off. And, and I, I don't get intimidated too much, but walking in there, I was like, oh, man, I don't know how I'm going to do this. <laughs> well, that's a good lead in Cece to uh, a topic that also brought you into the news recently. Cause, uh, Brett and I were some of the first to break the Astro scandal because we had Jerry Hairston on the show with us saying, oh, yeah, Cora knows how to steal pitches. Well, we, we found out later it was a little bit more than just Cora stealing pitches. <laughs> um, you know, you were pretty outspoken about the MVP race and uh, your teammate at the time, but, but also um, a, potentially a team of destiny, the Yankees in 2017. I mean, you're, you're that close. So what are your emotions on those two issues right now? Uh, in terms of the fact that you you guys were essentially robbed of of a, of a chance to play in the World Series, and like I say with the Dodgers, we were still an inning away even with them cheating. You guys were the same. You you were in the final game, right? I mean, you're right there. Yeah, yeah, we're in Game Seven, but like, um, you know, like '09, like I said, you, we felt I felt like we were going to win. You know what I'm saying? And, and in '17, I had the same feeling. Like I, I just felt like we were the better team. Obviously, we won the wild card. We came back from down from 0-2 against the Indians. But that team was just, I don't know, it was just something about us. Like, it was something about that squad that that was a World Series winning team. And there's nothing that you can do to convince me to think that, that it wasn't. And, and especially with the cheating scandal, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it just, I, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to kind of put into words. But, um, man, I mean, it's tough to think about um, any of that stuff. I mean, obviously, now that I'm done playing, I mean, it don't matter. If I hadn't won a World Series, you'd hear me talk about it every day. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but the fact that I did get a chance to win one, um, it just sucks that a guy like Aaron Judge, you know what I'm saying, his first full season, he would have won a, a World Series. It kind of sets him up to be on the same track as, like, Derek Jeter. You know what I mean? So um, it's just tough for those guys. And I mean, but, but like 09, this Yankee team right now is set up to win. So when, I think whenever we get back to playing, uh, they'll be the next champion. So uh, – Still a lot of the same guys from that team. So, you know, it, it is what it is. It's, it's tough, man. It, it sucks. 18, the Red Sox kicked our butt. Like, I have no gripe, no complaint, no nothing about that. But 17, I really feel like that team would have won the World Series. What do you think about this season? Everything that's going on, there was a new proposal. I mean, we talked a little bit off camera about the money issue um, and, and some things going on with, with the players. Well, the ownership wanting to cut the players' salaries. What yeah. do you think? Do you think we're going to start? Do you think they're gonna they're gonna start something up and 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 try to get some of this in? Man, I I really hope so. Um, like, I, I'm fifty fifty though. Like, I know the the guys don't want to go out there and you know risk injury and you know how precious that is. You know what I'm saying? Especially guys getting close to free agency. Um, you don't want to risk injury for playing for half the money. You know what exactly. I'm saying? In a in a in a shortened season, to be honest. So. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think it, whatever they do, they need to be in, in, in spring training by, G, by June 15th. You can't start after July 4th. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, there, there's no room to start after July 4th. So, I think whatever they do, they need to figure it out here pretty quick. And it don't seem like that's going to happen. So, it, like, sitting here today, I honestly don't think that they're going to play. Yeah, well, I mean, and that's just, that's just if they can figure that out. Not, not, not to mention everything that's going on with the coronavirus and if that's even safe to do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, you know, you were part of nine 11. 
you know, I was part of 9-11 and, and what that did for America. And, and everyone looks to sports as kind of like a safe place. Um, I would hate to see it not happen. Because I think, I think the, the U.S. And, and people around the world, like, will see that and it'll be comfort for them in a time of, like, you know, tragedy. People are dying. There's a lot of people affected, losing their jobs, that people need it. And I would like to see it. I, I hope it happens. Yeah, me too. I mean, the, the only thing that I, that, that, like about 9-11 was we were already playing. You know what I'm yeah. saying? It's easier to, to like start back up. Like we went home, like I was in Kansas City when 9-11 happened. We took a bus back and we, we practiced for a week. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like to get guys going this quick and to figure out how many guys you need on the roster, who's been thrown, who hasn't. Like guys have different access to different facilities. And I just think it's a little harder when you're trying to start up. Like I think it'll be easier for the NBA to start back up. Oh, for sure. They've been playing and they've been, they're in it. They're in their season. So those guys are kind of like in season mode. A lot of the guys I talk to right now are kind of like off season mode with baseball. You know what I'm saying? They still like in a off season training and all of that stuff. So I yeah, think cause you got, you got to think there's got to be at least a couple weeks of them hitters seeing live pitching pitchers throwing some, like you can't throw two bullpens and say, I'm game ready to go no, get the you, best hitters in the world out. Yeah, no, you gotta, you gotta have at least three starts. You know what I'm saying? You gotta you gotta at least build up to five innings. Like you have a three inning, four inning, five inning start. That that would be enough for me. But you know, I mean, with some of these younger guys that haven't been on the throwing program like they should, it's yeah. so many guys. You know what I'm saying? Like, and you don't know who's doing what. So that that makes it difficult. I think. Yeah, basketball. Basketball. I think you know you have a couple weeks. You play two weeks of the the remaining season, then you jump into a playoffs. It's easy. Yeah. Even if even if. Even if you do a training camp with all the teams and then you take the top six teams in each conference or whatever and then make a, uh, like a tournament yeah. for basketball, you know what I'm saying? It was like, but baseball, I just think it's going to be so hard to, to get cranked up here if they don't have something agreed to in the next couple of weeks. Right. Let's talk about basketball for just a second. Let's touch on this. What's going on with your Golden State Warriors? You know 15, what? 15 and 50. Come on. Yeah. But you know, you know me, I jump around. Like, I only roll with the winners for basketball. <laughs> I'm a diehard Raider fan, diehard Raider fan. So they can go 0-16 or 0-17 or whatever, and, and I'll still be with them. But my basketball teams are jump around. So right now I'm a Brooklyn net. I'm waiting for Kyrie and KD to come back. Unless Giannis, unless Giannis ends up with the, with the Warriors, then I'll, then I'll hop back on that, that band. I remember, see, I remember seeing you front row Golden State, uh, high-fiving yeah. Curry as he's going yeah. by. And now you're like, you guys suck. I want nothing to do with you. <laughs> <I'm all in. laughs> when they winning, I'm all in. If they're losing, I got nothing to do with them. All right. Um, hey, let's talk about your last season, 2019. How hard of a decision was it? Because I know I, what I went through. And I, I, at the point I had broke my shoulder and kind of was up and down. Um, you know, I played till I was 41 years old, but it was a tough decision. It was a tough yeah. decision to say, I'm going to take off my spikes. I'm going to put the glove up and this is it. How hard of a decision was it for you? It was a hard decision, but, um, it, it was getting hard. Like parts of 17 and 18, I would tell my wife, I'm like, man, I'm done. Like, I can't do this no more. My knee was barking. Like the last, my last three years, my knee was really bad. Um, so, like, you know, halfway through 17, I would be like, man, I'm, I'm done after this. Like I, like, I can't go anymore. Like, it is what it is. Like, I've, I got my, my World Series. Like, I'm fine. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And in 17, we go on that run. 
I pitched pretty good in the playoffs, and I'm like, all right, I'm coming back. <laughs> <laughs> it's like golf. It's like golf. You could play bad for like eight, 17 holes, and you hit that last approach that shot in 18. Time. You're like, I can't wait to go back out next week. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what it was. So then 18, we come back, and, you know, we're favorites. You know what I'm saying? So the last – really, the 18 and 19, I was just trying to hang on to win the World Series. I know that team is good enough to win, and they're going to win in the next couple of years. And I was just trying to hang on to be around. Ended up being lucky enough to win, you know, uh, win 251 games, get 3,000 strikeouts. I wasn't thinking about any of that stuff in, in 16, I mean, 17 and 18. Right. I was just trying to get healthy and trying to be able to try to help the team win and ended up coming up on these milestones. So, um, no, nah, I mean, I got lucky in a way where I was able to keep going. I, you know, the cutter was working. The Yankees wanted me back. I wouldn't have played for anybody else. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have went, you know, to wherever else to go play. I was, I was only going to play for New York, and it worked out where, you know, they wanted me back. I was able to stay, and, you know, I got 19 years in. So it was a, it's a blessing, man, and just kind of fell into my lap, to be honest. Right. Do you think, it was, do you think it's easier um, with quarantine going on where there's no baseball? For me? Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, another thing, too, is, like, I'm done. Like, I, I, was, I, was, I was toast, you know what I'm saying? Like, my shoulder's messed up. Obviously, I, I, I can't throw pitch competitively, competitively ever again. Like, I'll just be able to, like, to play catch. But just the, the competition part of it, I was done with. Like, every five days, not being able to eat, stomach hurting. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you know, feeling like oh. we've got to start. And I did that, that for 19 years. Like, I'm, I'm done with competition. The only competition I want now is playing golf and, and being bad at that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah, my start, my start, that's funny you bring that up. My start days, they're supposed to be like, you know, you're all intense. I hated it. I hated, hated it. my start day because I'd wake up nervous. Like you're yeah. starting, and then you're starting a game plan in your head. You're thinking about it all day. You get to the clubhouse. You, like you said, you can't eat. You know, you're trying to get some food down because you know you need food to go out there and perform. I hated it. Bullpen was a lot easier for me. I didn't do a bullpen a lot, but it was, every day was the same day. You know, you, know you went what? out there and you, and you do it. The, I could have pitched out of the bullpen another couple of years, though. Like, oh, I was just sure. there parking those guys at the end of last year, and I'm like, I pitched out of the bullpen in the playoffs. I'm like, I could probably do this, come in and get some lefties out, bro, like, for oh, yeah. sure. Jesse but, Roscoe did it till he was, like, 64. For sure. Like, I'm like <laughs> oh, I could do this, but, nah, I, you know what day I hated the most? Uh, starting opening day. I hated starting opening day. Yeah. Like, like, it made, like, people make this big deal out of opening day. It's all this shit, and nobody remembers – what the score was two weeks, two weeks from then. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, I, I started one opening day. Start for nothing. Like, I hated it. Well, yeah, I started one opening day in Cincinnati. And, uh, and, I mean, there's a parade, and you're in a car, and you're doing all this stuff, and you're like, dude, I, like, it, it, it takes away from, like, your focus and what you're trying yeah. to do. Because when you really think about it, it's one start of 34 starts. Or it's 32 one starts. start. Like, right. I would much rather somebody else hear you pitch. I'll, I'll pitch game three. Right. Throw me, in, throw, me in the four, throw me in the four spot so I can face Tomko. That's, that's what you're thinking. <laughs> um, as that last year, you know, you've become – you come up with o, or Cleveland. You're a young guy. You go to Milwaukee. You have a big thing. You're in New York for 10 years. And now, now you're the veteran guy. Because I know um, – I saw you on MLB Live uh, last night. And you're talking uh -huh. about some veteran guys that had impacts on you. Um, and now you're that veteran guy. Talk to me about a veteran guy um, that you talked about last night, the impact that he had on you, and then the impact that you think you had on some younger guys. Oh, you're talking about Burbs? Burbs. <laughs> well, my guy, man. He was just 
He was literally my best friend on that team, man. Uh, my, we're, talk, we're talking about Dave Berba. Dave Berba, yeah, yeah. So my best friend uh, still to this day is Dave Risky. Um, and we came up together. We met, you know, in the minor leagues and came up together. And when I got to the big leagues, he was still in AAA. So, like, I had nobody to hang out with. And Burbs was my guy. Like, we went to dinner. We played golf. All that spring training of 01, we played golf every day. Um, you know, he would take me out to dinner. Um, Ellis Burks bought me a couple suits. You know, Burbs put on put some money on top of that. Like, he just took care of me, man. Taught me how to be professional. Um, you know, showed me the ins and outs, really, of, of, of the big league life. And, you know, like I said last night, I wouldn't be sitting here today if it wasn't for having him as a teammate. Um, him and Chuck, Chuck Finley, too. Chuck Finley oh, yeah. helped me out a lot, too. But it was Burbs that was with me every day. You know what I'm saying? Talking to me about pitching mentality. Um, you know, this is how I need to be thinking out there, blah, 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 blah. Like, he, he, was, he was a huge, huge help for me all of 01 and really 02, too. I mean, he, you know, he kind of raised me, man. It was, it, was, uh, it was awesome to have him, have him around. I had Burbs. I had Pete Harnish and Pete Shurek and John Smiley. But Burbs, man, Burbs and Pete Harnish, they were, they were tough on me. I mean, really? in, in terms of, like, tough in terms of, like, tough love. Yeah. Like they had great intentions. They were teaching you the ropes. They were teaching you how to do things, but they didn't let you get away with stuff. They wanted, <laughs> they wanted you like on, on the right path because they yeah. saw potential. They saw what you could do. But Burbs, man, Burbs was a mess. You talk, about, a mess. you talk about Pettit, like all his demeanor on the mound was like all confident and hardcore. And then he was a mess in the duck. Burbs was a mess all the time. Even on the field. The <laughs> he was just wiping himself, sweating everywhere. Like, he was crazy. He, he one time, we were, at, we were in uh, Cincinnati. We're facing Steve Traxel. And Steve Traxel was the slowest pitcher of all time. Oh, my Like, God. literally, like, 45 seconds between each pitch. And Burbs is having a rough game. He's kind of getting it handed to him. And he's standing, pacing in the dugout. And all of a sudden, this is classic Burbs. You, don't, you never know what's going to come out of his mouth. He just goes, come on, Steve, my pizza's burning. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, we all looked at him like, What? Like, what are you talking about, Burbs? But that was just him. Like, he was, like, just off the wall all the time. Yeah, he, he was. was you know who was hard on me? Richie Rodriguez. You remember that? He was a left yeah. uh, out of the bullpen. He, he, wasn't, he was tough love. Like, he didn't let me get away with shit, which was great. I mean, because I came up at 20 years old, and everybody – I was a prospect, so everybody was just, you know, tell me everything I want to hear. Um, Carl Willis, uh, Dick Pohl, Burbs, and Richie Rodriguez were the ones that, like, would give me tough love and like tell me exactly what I need to hear and not like sugarcoat shit. So uh, I appreciate all those dudes, but like I spent the most time with Dave Berber, my, my, my first yeah, year. Yeah, and they were great. I mean, like, you know, when you come up, you're making like minimum, you're not making a ton of money, but and they're taking you to dinner, they're buying you suits. That stuff you did at, as you got older with, with the younger kids? Yeah, for sure. That was something that I always made sure that I did throughout my career, just because of the way those guys treated me. Um, you know, I made sure I always bought the young guy's suits, whoever it was, any young pitcher that came up, you know, in, in uh, Cleveland and in Milwaukee and in, I mean, in New York too, um, New York more, um, I would, I would always buy them suits. I think the guy that I'm closest with that like has like that me and Andy relationship would be Jordan Montgomery. Um, lefty that pitches with the Yankees now, uh, had Tommy John, but he's, you know, he went to South Carolina. He's got great stuff. He's a lefty, and I talk to him all the time. You know, we talk every other day um, just about everything. So, he, like, I feel like I'm the Andy Pettit for him. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm the Andy for him. So, it's fun to be able to have those relationships, man. And even for me coming here, like, 
having Gator. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Having Gator. I mean, had Andy, and then I had Gator on top of that. So spent a lot of time with Gator too down in Tampa. He kicked, cooked the frog legs, cooked jambalaya, gumbo, him and Yogi. So um, I'm grateful for all those relationships. Hey, thanks for joining us uh, this week with CC Sabathia. If you like this show, just wait until next week. It gets even better. We talk about his last year of playing. We talk about the World Series. We talk about all sorts of stuff. So we also play a game called A, B, and CC. So, hey, tune in next week. Thanks for hanging out with us, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.